Hello again, Dwayne Bremmett here with Allie Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Good morning, Allie. Hey, Dwayne, good morning to you as well. And um, I think, you know, it's a little earlier morning, almost closer to afternoon for me, but uh, good morning. Are we still on the hour difference? Yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah, absolutely, yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, good morning, and how's everything going? Good? Yeah, everything's going good. I was uh, yesterday at a career day, um, and it's funny because it, it's it's 25 miles away from even my school, right? Uh-huh. And uh, I'm not going to go into the long, lengthy speech that I was doing because I, I, I did, uh, I don't know, eight, seven or eight um, half-an-hour speeches, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, 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 but basically it was uh, at the end, I, one of the things that I, I talked about was, um, uh, you know, just taking opportunities and going out and doing things. And I said, you know, I have nothing to gain here by coming yeah. out 25 miles away from, from here because, I mean, who's driving down? You guys are middle schoolers. You don't have your, your, your license. You're not driving down. I mean, your parents probably aren't going to drive down. Well, then at the end on one of them, because I, I did that in every speech, and at the end of one of them, I had a teacher come up and said, hey, I live in Mantino, which is just like seven miles away from me. And I, how old young do you take kids? And I said three. And she goes, oh, I have a five-year-old. And so she goes, you just might have somebody. You know, so it was just kind of funny oh, that, that that worked good. out that way. Yeah, opportunity. So, that's so why, that's that. why we do those things, right? Yeah. So to, uh, yesterday I had that. Uh, tomorrow I go into uh, uh, CSL Bearing. It's a drug company here in town, a big company here in town. And I'm going to uh, – I think there's about – 25, 30 uh, engineers that that's during their lunchtime. So they're doing a uh, <clears throat> they're doing uh, educational pieces, and so I'm going to go in and talk about goal setting and uh, those type of things. Awesome! Very, very cool. That's great. So now, um, so now with those type of events, how many how many of those do you do a year, or just whenever they come up, do you actively search them out, or what? What are you? How do you get them? Yeah, a lot of them I don't necessarily have to actively search them out anymore just because they, I, I get them every single year now. They, you know, they come back around once they hear about me or something. Yeah. So, right. Which is kind of nice. I don't have to do do much work in order to see them. Yeah, them that's to great, doing. though. I mean, yeah, I love that. I think that um, I think that that's something that we really, you know, sometimes we need to pursue more of and we don't enough within schools, right? We We get caught up in wanting the social media – or whatever to come to us, right? Bring the people to us when, in fact, we have to be out there digging deep. I watched um, Master Parks from um, Spark, and, uh, you know, he did a little quick thing a few weeks back, and he was talking about how to grow your school. And, you know, he started rifling off different topics, and they were basically like we all do as school owners, we've all done in the past. It's all about grassroots marketing. It's that, you know, the basic marketing. It's guerrilla marketing by Jay Abraham, you know, that kind of stuff where, you know, it goes back to how many people see you, making you, you know, aware of people and, and so on, or them aware of you actually and, and making it so that they could come to you. Well, it was funny because part of my, my speech is uh, <clears throat> telling them that, uh, opportunity doesn't come knocking on your door. I said, you know, I hear stories so many times about uh, these uh, college students that, uh, you know, get get home, have a college degree, and they're sitting in their mom and daddy's bases or basements, yeah. you know, on the computer uh, searching for a job, you know, and, they're, and then I yeah. there's a chair behind me, and I go and I sit down as I say this. I sit down, and they go, making a great impression in the couch. Hmm. Right, you know, right, that exactly, type of thing. yeah. You know, and so, uh, and well, then I just tell them, I, I told them that, look, nobody – you, you may be special to your mama and your daddy, 
but you ain't special to anybody else until you get out there and you show them how special you are. That's when you right. make an impression. So get off the couch and stop making an impression on the couch. Get well, you know what's so in real life. You know, I, and I know this isn't really our topic, but it's a good topic, so we'll jump into the other thing in a minute. But it's interesting, right, in how um, – Somehow, in I don't know when it happened, but I'm thinking about like the late middle 1990s, 1994, 95. There was a shift from I'm going to work my butt off and I deserve what I get kind of mentality to it's uh, the quote should be it's not fair. How come I can't have it either? Right? Like you know, and I and I actually could hear that. I hired a kid maybe about he was probably in his 20s, needed a job, couldn't you know quit school. Um, so I gave him a job and I had him do two painting projects for me. And then I was going to hire me was a student and so on. Um, the first painting project, uh, we had brand new carpet installed. I laid out all of the uh, you know drop cloths and he painted the walls. I came back in. Um, he uh, lifted the drop cloths up and um, I noticed there's paint all over the brand new carpet. So I'm like, what went on? He says, oh, well, I spilled it on here. So I just turned it over so I didn't step in it. So I said, you took the wet painted drop cloth and flipped it upside down so that you wouldn't get your shoes dirty, right? And uh, he said, yeah. I said, well, you do realize you just ruined like a $350 carpet, so I'm not paying you for all the work you did. And he was like, it's not fair. That's not fair. I'm like, I've never heard that before. And then I wanted him to do another paint job, which is stupid of me, right? I gave him another one, but, uh, you know, to do after he did that. And then um, I said, do this for me. And he said, I want it. I said, I want it done within the next three or four hours. That's all it should take. It would take me an hour, right? But he's like, oh, that's not fair. And I said, okay, I just can't have you work anymore. Um, yeah. It seems like the video shut off for a quick second and then went right back on again. So mm -hmm. we'll see oh, if, if we're having okay. anybody. So, um, yeah. So and, anyway, I mean, let's jump into our topic and, and, it's a great topic because it's pretty fresh in my mind because we're talking about possibly running your own competitions in your school, whether they're big or small. Um, why is it good for the school? You know, how does it help our schools grow, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, and this is really your area of expertise. Yeah, this is really your area of expertise. I lean on you uh, with regards to that. And then I, I, I do have some questions. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So what, I guess basically the topic is why, why we should be running competitions and, and why it's healthy for our school. Right. Yeah. And, and listen, when I say that too, when I, when I gave you this topic, of course, I'm fresh off of a weekend and I'm exhausted. I'm still just getting my voice back. It's Wednesday. Um, Saturday we ran a grappling event. Um, so from like, you know, I was up setting up the tournament. I'm up at 6, 6 a.m. setting the tournament up and then running the tournament that exact day. I get done about 1.32 with all the competitors. And then I have to set up all of our computer systems for the following day because I run my Long Island Open, which is my 27th or 28th year. I, I have to really figure that out. Um, and I run that. I get there at 7 a.m. and I go to about 7 p.m. And um, we had close to 350 competitors, um, you know, probably 2,000 spectators. So it's pretty wild um, in regards to that. But but I also thought like competition, though, the word competition sometimes is something that people steer away from. Like they're nervous. And, uh, you know, they're, they're afraid that, well, that whether they can, you know, uh, you know, do the competition or whether, what if they fail in the competition? So there's a lot of things that we have to be careful with because we don't want to lose students by having them compete because if they don't have a good outcome, they may be frustrated because, right, 
the, the American way is, you know, well, why didn't they do well? Well, the number one reason is, one, maybe we, as instructors, we didn't do our job teaching them. Two is, well, maybe we did do our job teaching them, but they didn't retain the information so that they're really not understanding the lesson. Back again to us not doing our job, right, if you think about it. You know, they want to know why they didn't get it, but obviously it's us that's not giving it to them. Somehow there was a disconnect. And three, like why why are the judges or why of the why is the competition or why is it so unfair? Like I um I have people say that to me all the time, well, the judging was unfair or, you know, uh we weren't prepared. Why are all the schools better? And I'm like, it's not the schools, it's the competitors that are better, obviously because they're winning. And maybe they go to many more tournaments than you. Maybe they compete more as a competition-based school within their school. So it's pretty important for us to teach healthy competition, um, teach regular competition, and so on. I know um, we're asking if people could hear us. So I'm going to turn on Facebook, and I'm going to turn my mute off just to see, Dwayne, real quick, if I could hear us. The judging was unfair. Or... Yeah. Yeah, we're, it's coming through. So we're, we're heard <laughs> on there. Okay, so, so, um, so there, there you go. And it's like for us – I like to push our students out of their comfort zone. And I'm still having a hard time, and, and I'm still trying to figure out the disconnect is why parents will say to me, no, uh, Shan Alley, we can't make it to this tournament. Uh, Johnny's got a game. I'm going, oh, he does. So he's he does a game every week. He practices every week. He does a game on the weekends, and you can't miss a game because why, right? But But you're telling me you're missing the game. You can't come to my game because you're going to the other game. Like, why do people not understand that this is part of the practice? This is part of them doing better. This is part of their competition, their competition mentality. So we have to really, this is why we have to develop this mindset within our, our schools, our dojos, our dojangs, and, and whatever. Right? So so what what are your thoughts yeah. on that? You, you've done well, a few tournaments, right, in your school. You don't really, you're not, you don't go out to open tournaments, right? No, no, I, I, I don't do that. And we, we've done a couple in the years. When we first started, uh, my own organization that I belong to uh, did tournaments. So we would do some inner school ones. And then, but they, they, the majority of those people are in Atlanta and Georgia and also Florida. So we were always the school that had to travel the farthest to go down there for the national tournament type thing or what have you, or, you know, the yearly tournament, if you will. Right. Um, and, then we slowly, I would say after maybe five, six, seven years of doing that, we kind of just backed off, and, and I really focused in on just building the school. Um, right. And not, not didn't focus on, on tournament sparring. We did, yeah. we did tournament sparring in, in our, in our uh, curriculum and also in our classrooms, but mm-hmm. we didn't go out and do much, much, uh, much of those other things. And then yeah. um, maybe eight years ago, nine years ago, whatever it was, you know, you and I got together, and and you kind of helped me put together a uh, a tournament, an open tournament here in town, so right. that uh, you know I could uh, um, be in control, if you will, of you know the unfair uh, judging and all that other stuff. Because I I, I wanted to I wanted uh, to run a tournament that I was uh, responsible for everything, and and that went over really really good. I should have continued it, but I didn't. I got right. lazy. Um, right. it, it was hard. I mean, it was, there was a lot of work that needed to be done yeah. uh, to do it. So I guess my biggest thing is I don't want, and the reason I didn't go to other people's tournaments is I didn't want to lose students. Right. Um, because somebody else ran it incorrectly. Uh, and, and yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, you may get some unhappy people because the other school or schools beat you. Um, right. And so that does make you, that does make you look bad. You know, you know what I mean? It does. Yeah. Um, to a certain degree, it does. But I like your response that maybe they just do a lot more tournament sparring than we do. Right. And does tournament sparring, you know, is it equivalent to real life self defense? There are there is some crossover, but in totality, right. I would say right. no. Right. Yeah. And and there you go. That so that's um so that's something that is uh, interesting because tournament fighters could actually fight. In fact, there's been a few tournament light contact tournament spar fighting, you know, fighting like karate tournaments and, and they, they won in the UFC so they can transition to full contact easily. Now, can they win in BJJ? No, unless they have BJJ training or, but can they learn from the tournament circuit? Yes. And can it make them a better fighter and a better self-defense practitioner? Yes. Cause it has a lot to do with timing, frustration, um, you know, uh, the, the adrenaline rush, you know, fear, all of these things that are really, really important. Um, to doing martial arts. Like, you know, listen, uh, if someone comes at you with a punch in a street fight and you're flustered and you can't think properly because you've never had any adrenaline training and it's never been somebody in front of you that, you, that you're not used to, like your partner and your friends from the school, um, you're going to get flustered and could get really hurt. So there are multitudes of reasons why I think tournaments are amazing for students, you know, and, um, and it just brings another element of competition to the, to their training and a little bit of reality-based training. So I, I like that. You know, the other thing that I found, and you're right, the first thing that you said, if you're going to an unprofessional tournament and we subject our students to that kind of torture, and by the way, it is torture at times to go to an unprofessional yeah. tournament, they come back and they're going to say, Dwayne, you know, why did you even bring us there? It was terrible. The judging sucked. You, you know, the, the venue sucked. I w- sat around forever with no benefit whatsoever. I feel like I got ripped off. Why would you do that to me? I thought you liked me, right? And we're like, hey, listen, this is what tournaments are all about. So when I developed my circuit years ago, um, by the way, I, my first tournament I ran in 1992, I, I threw out a little flyer, eight and a half by 11 folded in half, and it was my first tournament invitation only. And um, being that people knew me so well, um, I thought I'd have like, hey, you know, 50, 100 competitors in my dojo, the dojo that I'm in right now. That day I had 1,000 people in my school. Like, I mean, it's just unheard of. I think of it now, I would never do it. Um, If the fire marshal came in, they would have probably given me the biggest fine ever. Thank God I had a lot of cops that were students at the time, and they sat outside and you know, made sure things ran smooth. And if the fire marshal ever did come, which they would have kept him away. Um, however, it was insanity, right? But that just goes to show. And then I said, oh, my goodness, this was a huge, a huge moneymaker. Like, I was like, you know, a, a, a thousand spectators, you know, or whatever, two, three hundred competitors, no overhead, nothing, right? Um, and long story short, it gave me the tournament bug. And then for years, I ran tournaments. However, I would run as professional of a tournament as I could, but outside of me, other people ran tournaments that were so bad that they were decimating the tournament circuit. It got to a point where I ran a tournament. I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm not even going to bother doing this anymore. But then I had an idea. 
let me put together this entire tournament circuit with two of my best friends that they run good quality, successful tournaments. Let's band together. We had a meeting. I gave them my idea. They loved it. And we've been building this circuit called NewYorkTournaments.com, NYTournamentsWithAnS.com, if you want to check out the website, for the last uh, seven or eight years. And um, we have probably about 1,400 to 1,500 individual competitors throughout the year. Each tournament brings in between 300 and 450 students to compete. Um, we run it like clockwork by the time. Um, people I love know what that, time by the way. Yeah, w- yeah, you did that at your event as well, right, that, that we worked on, right? Well, you coached me. You, yeah. you, you taught me your system. Not that I'm an yeah. expert at it, but you taught me your system. I had so many compliments um, uh, from other school owners on how well it ran and, and the, the, you know, it starts at this time and you, you know, you don't have to be yeah, there yeah. all day. And, um, you know, my own school, they didn't compliment me on that because, right. you know, that's the way that I had already run my small tournaments inside of right. my, you know, location. But then to do it yeah. on such a grander scale, night and day difference, if anybody's going to run tournaments, they need, I'm just, I know we're not selling stuff, but they need to pay you to teach them how to do it because yeah, yeah. Uh, it's amazing. It's easy. You know, it's interesting too, though, that um, we, this particular tournament that I just ran was my baby, right? So um, I promoted and I wanted to bring in a lot of new competitors from other schools. So I sent out personal invites and, um, and I sent it out to the different teachers from schools that haven't attended in years or people who haven't attended at all. So I was a little nervous because sometimes the city schools, uh, when I say city schools, we're a Long Island-based tournament, so Manhattan, uh, New Jersey, Philadelphia, that kind of stuff. They're not used to our type of tournament. They're used to the nightmare tournaments. I'm holding my quote fingers up for the people who are just <laughs> listening. Um, but I right. mean like a tournament where – I used to compete. Like, it was interesting. My teacher, Sean Felix Vasquez, we would compete. He'd say, okay, we're going to this tournament. We'd meet at his school. We'd all drive together. We'd get to the tournament. We'd pay. Um, we'd lay out our gi bags, our bags with all our equipment in, in like a semicircle off in a corner somewhere. And we'd basically go to sleep. And then we'd have one spotter who would listen for all our divisions and wake us up and say, it's your time. Then we'd get lunch right. and yada, yada, yada. I mean, I could be there from 7 in the morning to sometimes midnight. Right. And I don't know when I'm going to go. It's just the luck of the draw. So I said, there's got to be a better way because parents these days, students these days, everyone these days, they're so used to professional type things. Like you go to a concert, it starts on time. You go to a movie, it starts on time. Right. You go anywhere to an event. It starts on time. So why are we not doing the same thing? So we organize time. So kids, 830 a.m. through adults, beginners start at 830 a.m. A mini junior division is at 10 a.m. So a parent says, when do I have to show up, 7? No, you show up it's, at 10 a.m. It starts. It'll never start early. So you could bet your you know, your life on that. It'll never – sometimes my guys are like, we're ready for the next division. I'm sorry, guys. You're going to have to sit around and judge, wait to judge because we can't start early because competitors are going to show up a half an hour before, sign up at the door knowing they have plenty of time, walk right in, compete, go to their soccer game. I had a few students that competed and went and played a doubleheader in baseball afterwards because they knew the timing. So right. that type of thing is amazing. And then we did a lot to professionalize. Like in, and a lot of these city doses, and the reason why I brought this up, they're used to this chaos. So sometimes they get a little out of hand. They're used to yelling at the judges and complaining. So I was nervous that a lot of these new schools have never been in our circuit were coming to this one. But let me tell you, 
Every one of them absolutely loved it. I had a guy wrote, he bought 14 competitors. He wrote to me, the best tournament I've been to in 36 years. It's pretty crazy to hear something like that. Like we cordoned off our floor. No one's allowed to walk on the floor. Judges and our only judges and scorekeepers and competitors are allowed in, in the training area. Um, no one's allowed to walk in. A parent to decide to take pictures or come in and just sit with their kid because then the floor is congested and ugly and confusing and, you know, why are you in there? And so we made it our rule. No one except for competitors, judges, and uh, scorekeepers. Doesn't matter if you're a sensei. You can't coach from inside, behind a judge, over a judge's back. Step out, do it from the outside. And at first, people gave me stress, gave us stress when I kind of threw this idea at my, my partners. And um, then they said, uh, now, after the first tournament, they didn't. They said to me, oh, we're not going to like this. And then after the first tournament, they're like, we love this. You know, like they really, <laughs> really enjoyed it. Because what happened was, like I always said to myself, why why aren't all the competitors and all the coaches on the gymnastic floor at the gym, at the gymnastic competition or the dance competition? Why aren't they up behind the judges screaming and yelling and all this other stuff? They, why aren't we not emulating the same type of professionalism as martial art tournaments, you know? And so that we started to implement all of this. We, we run by the times we have electronic scorecards, you know, our judges have iPads and they're able to do the sparring on their hand, two points red, one, two, boom, it goes right in the computer. It's up on a monitor. So now the competitors are used to this and they're looking to see where they are as far as points go, how much time they have left. It's just become a really amazing operation. I mean, the only issue we ever have is getting judges to stick around and judge, and we're we're working on that. We pay our judges. We pay the majority of centers pretty decent money. Um, we have professional security. It's really one of those things that we've developed into a five tournament circuit with a rating system and a dinner at the end of the year. Um, and it's just incredible. Like I love it. I I, I just I'm happy. You know, you make fifteen twenty thousand dollars on the tournament or whatever it is a few times a year. It's a great great event, but it's hard work. And when you say and when you say at the end of the year, though, it's uh, it's at the end of that fiscal year for the tournament circuit. Yeah, it's not – you don't have a we, dinner at, at December. No, well, we actually start January. We run to December. And then the following year, in March, we do the awards dinner for all the rated competitors – for the prior year. And we have this big, like, you know, everyone's in suit and ties. We have a red carpet. We have a photographer. As they come in, they walk through this, like, red carpet thing with a banner. And all the, every time the person walks in, they stop and we take photos of them. We post them on our Facebook page and, and so on. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so, yeah, somebody just wrote, um, Ken Swan, who I know for a long time. Jeez, we haven't talked in a while, Ken. And then, um, but he said, my wife competed in other sports and came to two tournaments with me and said she would never let me run a tournament as disorganized as the one she saw. Like, I, I agree. I, I have, I have talked, and I, and all the instructors that are there, they, they complimented me this weekend. They said, you know, this is a great tournament. I had parents literally coming up to me, thanking me for running in a tournament, uh, running a tournament that, that professional. Um, and then the instructors are happy because they're not going to come home. And I always say it's like talking their students off the roof on Monday. I'm quitting. You're an idiot. I hate you. Why'd you do this to me? That was so unprofessional. They weren't fair. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on, right? And so now this is – we've changed this circuit. It's just amazing at how this works. And um, – so, so how does that relate to students and teachers? Enough students and teachers, but how does that relate to school owners? Well, you could do. I do an interschool tournament, a little mini, what we call a shi'ai, 
and I'll have um, in my dojo, because it's big enough, and I run it by the time so that I don't have to have everyone there at one time. And I run this little mini competition where it's for the people who've never competed in an open outside out-of-school tournament. Um, they're used to the four walls. They're used to the mats. The parents come and watch. And I do this one time a year, and I, I charge $45 for competitors, and they get one ticket for one parent. Every other parent pays to see them watch, just like any other competition. Or a spectator, yeah. Yeah, yeah. spectator. Mm -hmm. And um, it helps us pay for the medals, you know, and all the other stuff. But people understand it's a competition. They're going to pay for it. It's a good event. And um, they absolutely love that tournament. So, I mean, last one, I think I had like about 140 competitors, 150 competitors from my school spread out throughout the day, started it at 9, ended it at about 3. And um, it was not only was it an amazingly motivational day for the students, right, because parents see their kids and they're amazed at how well they did. You know, there's a little competition. Parents are yelling, you know, get them, do this, do that, right? And um, and at the end of the day, they take photos, they get in the, they get medals, you know, and it's just very motivational to the whole group, and it bonds us as a team. Right. 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 No, so, I agree. What what uh, what was the comment here? Ken wrote, "Parents appreciate when they run smooth, and they know when their kids will compete to a reasonable time frame." Yeah, exactly. Like I I, I want to know, like when a parent says to me, "When will we start?" I'm like, "Well, here it is on the flyer." Right. And I show it to them. Right. And they're like, oh, that's great. So just show up a half an hour before. Yeah. How long does it take? Well, it depends on how many competitors show up at the door. But right now I could go in the computer system and go, oh, there's like 14 people registered. It's probably going to take you an hour and a half, maybe two hours at most. So they're there nine or eight thirty. They're done by ten thirty. That's awesome. I have food. I had a really great food truck come in. A brick oven fired food truck makes a custom personal pizza within like ninety seconds or whatever toppings they wanted. So the people just walked out to the food truck. They got their food. They had bagels. They had egg sandwiches. So the more you can contain this kind of stuff and make it and control it, the better. Because what it does is it just makes all much more of an experience, an experiential kind of event, right? Where they leave going like, "This was awesome." No, that's the that's the the key is is use the correct word. I was going to say that it's an event, and it's kind of like yeah. the uh, the concept that you teach with regards to your your red carpet premiere, right? You know, having everything, every single e event. Uh, needs to be like a red carpet premiere, and you know what I like too is you're not you're not greedy with this. And here's what I mean: because the first time we started talking about this, you know, we talked about the food, uh, of course, and and really you could make a lot of money on food, right? right? Yeah. But then there's so many laws and so many other things that you've got to yeah. contend with, and then you got to get somebody to run it, and then you have to manage that person that's running it. Exactly. So I like what you you've done is you've taken that out of your hands. You are making some money because I believe, if, correct me if I'm wrong, you're charging uh, for that spot, basically, yeah, the for them to be there. Uh, right. It's a nominal fee. It allows them to make some great profit. But right. you, what you're doing is you're creating uh, an experience over and over again because yeah. where you're going to make your money is on the experience of them coming back the next time for the next yeah. event and then for later on for that awards dinner at the end because then – now they're motivated for the next year because exactly. they know where they were in the uh, award system, you yep. know, where they're ranked. So, now yep. all those same people are moving up uh, approximately the same speed. They're going to continue to spar and do forms right. against those people. They have the potential to now start moving up in the ranking system, which is, is it's just phenomenal. 
Yeah, and you know what's interesting, too? Think about this. Like, it's imagine, like, you're at a Disney resort, right? Or you go to Disneyland or Universal Studios, right? And um, what is the biggest time when people start to get hangry, right? When they get hungry, they start getting angry. So they lose patience. They don't want to wait on rides. Everything starts to bother them. You know, it's a small world. There's nothing but a punch of crap that makes noise and little objects singing. And I'm sick of them. I want to knock one of the heads off the mechanical statues, right? But but if I'm if I'm fed well, and I feel good, and I'm relaxed. I mean, Disney started, you know, you, they charge you, I think, twice or triple the money or whatever it is to go through the quick pass. So, you you know, you just walk past all those poor people that have been waiting online. But, you know, they do have misters and sprayers to try to keep people happy. So I wonder, like, what is, to me, what's the Disney experience? You know, why am we not doing that in tournaments? And, you know, the age-old saying was, it's a tournament. Suck it up, buttercup, you know? L- live with right, it. Right, right. Right, you know? And, um, you know, but people don't want to hear that. You said, you tell a parent to suck it up nowadays, they get pissed and they go somewhere else, right? So they don't realize sucking it up sometimes is a good lesson. Um, but, you know, and by the way, it might be a good lesson for the kid, but the parents don't want to suck it up, right? It's bad enough they got to sit sure. on hard bleachers, you know, and they're like, hey, these bleachers are so hard, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, um, you know, so it's important for us to understand that everything we do, without a doubt, is experiential, right? Even even testing in our school should be an experience, right? We have to tap into the mindset of why people are doing this. And then let's say our, our promotions, our testing, um, people should leave more motivated than when they came. Um, they should have motivation to continue on. They should have motivation to tell their friends. And it has to be an experience. We tend to, in the Eastern mindset, Think like, hey, listen, if they don't get what they want, tough luck. If we don't do what they want, tough luck. But, you know, this day and age, they're going to talk about it on the Internet. They're going to tell their friends, and they're going to quit, right? So I'm not saying coddle people, but when we run an event like an outside event, we expect people to go and tell their friends, we better make it the best event ever, right? And uh, so, so important. And if we don't do that, we're in trouble. Yep, agreed. Right? Agreed. So and I, that's what, the, you know, then that experience that they're that they're getting you know, with the the type of tournament that you're running is not matched anywhere in the martial arts industry, I don't believe. Uh, right. I've never, ever been to a tournament nor heard about the type of tournament that you run. I remember when you first introduced me to this because <clears throat> this was back when our middle son was in, um, he was uh, just just past middle school and going into high school, and he was in wrestling. And, uh-huh. my gosh, you, you go to a wrestling tournament on a Saturday – you're there all day. Yeah. And I thought to myself, why couldn't this be run the exact same way that Allie's running his right? Um, his because uh, because you know his his tournaments because the, you know the 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 variable that you have is you might have people sign up at the door. They don't have that at a wrestling tournament. Yeah, and you know what's interesting, and I'll tell you why it doesn't happen. And this is why the dinosaurs. Again, I'm holding up my quote fingers for the people who are not watching this. Um, the dinosaur tournament promoters, they just have been doing it their way, and they've been getting good results. Like, there are some city tournaments that have eight, 900 competitors, and they are l- literal horror shows. Like, I mean, like, where they're so unorganized, so badly run, but I am – it it just – 
I'm blown away by the fact that people come back year after year after year. And the reason why they do that, and I've spoken to a few competitors, it's like the good old boys club. They go, the sensei brings their students because they get to hang with their buddies. And this is what we do. And we're giving respect to master so-and-so. And, you know, even though the tournaments run like crap and so on, and I'm really blown away by it. So um, I don't know why. And I think because most of like a wrestling tournament might be a one-off and everyone has to compete if they want to compete. They're like, a con- they're contained and almost like they're, uh, you know, they're stuck going to that event because if they don't want to go, tough luck, right? You're, if your kid doesn't want to go, then he, he misses out on that competition. So if it's run unprofessionally, they, they might say, I'll never go back again. But if their kid gets in the running or they're going, they'll go back the year after and they'll be tortured by it. So, I mean, let me just read quickly. I, I have some people, this is just interesting because this comes from the parents, right? Not from the school owner. So it says, well, this one's from a school owner. Our dojo has been participating in New York tournaments for over five years. We always have a great time. The judges are professional and kid-friendly. It's pretty awesome, right? Um, another yes. mom wrote, she wrote, this is my son's third year competing and the second year being rated in the tournament circuit. We started with the junior mini junior event, which is basically in our school a, a demonstration event. So they don't actually compete. It's just a bunch of kids, first time over, seven and under. They go in the ring. We have a a sensei demonstrating. The kids follow. They do their move. One kid rolls. One kid cartwheels. We all applaud. All the grandparents are there. Um, And then we give them a two-foot trophy. It's just our way of breaking them into competition without having a bad first experience, right? So she wrote that. I love that, by the way. I did that exact same thing. I, I love that. Oh, yeah. And by the way, for every kid that does that, their spectator tickets are quadrupled compared to a normal competition. So like a grandparent, they they bring more people. Oh my God. They'll bring all the grandparents, the aunt and uncles, you know, the next door neighbor, they're going to try to get their pets in They're buying tickets for everybody because it's a cool little start of the, of the, you know, event. Um, And they wrote, he's now eight years old and he's a red belt. We've always been impressed with the quality and professionalism of these events. The venues are clean. The rings are always run on time. You always know what to expect. It's been wonderful watching my son's confidence grow. We always look forward to the next New York tournaments event. And I could go on and on and on. We have we have how many? 73 people have wrote comments like this. Everyone almost we have four four point eight stars out of five. So maybe there's been a few that you know, said that, you know, one or two that we could have done better or something better, but 99% of them, everyone is happy. And, you know, for me though, like I just met with the guys this morning, my two partners, Mike, Mike Pinelli and Rich Fasina every Wednesday. Sometimes I don't want to be there and, you know, but because, you know, it's the day I get up, we go to the diner, we're there at 830 and we literally go over all the things we didn't do well at, any complaints that we heard um, and, and anything that went on that we can improve, et cetera, et cetera. Then we also figure out the financials, what did it cost us, how many tournament trophies did we have to return, Long story short, um, you know, we work on this every Wednesday to make it a better and better venue, and it's incredible to have something like that. You know what I, I found unique uh, and special is that you you actually have partners in this, so it's not your quote-unquote business. You actually – it is a business, but all of you right. guys are equal, and then, and you don't have to tell me, uh, you know, but from what, the way I see it, all of you guys are equal partners – and you all take an active interest in growing yeah. it for, uh, with your with your own participants and right. then outside people. And what I like too is the way that you have it set up that each uh, each tournament is run by a host school. So like when it's your turn, you're yeah. the one that's in charge. And when it's their right. turn, they're in charge, and you're the support staff yeah. for them. Um, well, that's well, really it, unique. 
Yeah, we all have our roles and the roles don't change. Uh, you know, so, but it's my host tournament and the bulk of the finances come to me. Right. And then when the other guy runs his host tournament, it comes to him. And then the other guy comes to him. And then we have two alternate tournaments in between that we run and we share and the dinner we share as well. So the tournament circuit turned into like its own little mini business where it's making some decent money. And we've also started the New York tournament, uh, NYT grapple fest, which is two grappling tournaments a year. And um, we had a really good one on Saturday as well. So that was that's going to build also. And I like that one because that's quick. Someone grapples, they lose, they go into the runner-up, right? Someone grapples and wins, they move up. But it's not like in the open tournament we do self-defense, um, weapons, open weapons, kata or forms, open forms, and sparring. And then sometimes girls and boys sparring or depending on the age, men and women. Um, so uh, <laughs> John Ackerman is on here. You know John Ackerman, right? And he wrote Katas. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, yes, John Katas. Let's let's get let's get our call going again, dude. I have so much to debate with you on so many things. So let's talk. <laughs> Can we set something else up again, Dwayne? With John, would you like John? If you want to, just give me a yes or a no on here. If you'd like to do another call together, because we had probably like five thousand viewers that day. It's one of the biggest ones ever. And uh, he's a great, great uh, person to debate and talk to, and he's got so much knowledge. But anyway, back to the tournament. Um, yeah, and, and Rick Kellerman, you know, he wrote, uh, we all know the instructor whose 10-year-old student signed up at 8 a.m. and didn't go on until 4. The kid was crying. They walked out, pulled the kid from the school, and it wasn't even the school owner's tournament, right? Or he wrote, right. I'm involved with chi a Chinese tournament, and I've told the promoters to visit your tournament for years because they see how we run it, but they're still doing it the way they, they know best. Like, even some of the bigger rated tournaments are still doing the same things. They have the same, no joke, one of my friends works with one of the organizations. I won't say who and, um, and what organization it is, but he says they're still using the same wood spikes that they put the sign on. And there's like 4,000 uh, thumbtacks and staples in that wood. They haven't even upgraded the freaking wood. Um, they're just going to keep reusing that. It's like, hey, this works. I'm making money. You know, but they don't realize how much they're doing to the industry and how much they're turning people off. Like, it's almost like if, if we have a school owner that every time a new student, he's great at getting people in the door, but he treats them so poorly they quit and they never go back to a martial arts school. We should all band together and beat the crap out of him because he, um, you know, he is ruining it for the rest of the martial artists out there. Because if, he, if I'm bad and, and they come to me first and I turn them off to the martial arts, they're not going to you. Right. 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 They're not going to anyone. So I did a bad thing. So that's like these tournament promoters doing that. So back to interschool tournaments. There's so many ways to do these interschool tournaments where they're profitable, they're motivational. And then what I love is Rick Kellerman's on here. He's a Kung Fu practitioner, Gung Fu or Kung Fu. And um, he um, he's turned this into such a positive thing in his school. He even does a thing afterwards where they fill out a form and said, what did I learn from this tournament this time? And they fill out the form like, oh, I should have done better on this, or I should have done better on that, or maybe I shouldn't have got upset. And he has a whole thing, and what was good for you, and what was bad for you? you know. And then they learn from that, and they practice it for the next time. And he's turned this into a way to bond his students. And yeah, it might not be all your students that do it, but I have a core group of demo team participants and students that compete. Um, we had like 40 students competing in my own school from this one, and then another 15 or 20 from the Gravel Fest. And um, they all came back. They're posting, you know, tagging us on social media, taking pictures with their trophies. They had a good time. It was something that we really, really thought was it, it, it energizes us for the next few weeks. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it does. 
So cool. John so said, uh, he said, yes, I'd love to. Okay, so that's awesome. Yeah. So, John, I'm going to get in touch with you. We'll pick a topic, and uh, we'll, we'll debate the hell out of it. So I'm looking forward to I, doing I that. Already know, I, I already know what the, the, the tagline for this call is going to be. What? Heckle Heckleman. Yeah, well, that would be good. Yeah, he's not a good guy to heckle though. He he gets mad. He'll, he'll punch somebody. Well, he said he, the nice thing he is just, I can't I can't I can't get punched through the screen. So you know I, I'm yeah. one of those bullies. I'm just gonna do it through the screen. No, just yeah, yeah. But uh, but John just wrote we did a tournament last weekend, so that's cool. So he's a very traditional Kempo school. He trains world class MMA fighters. Um, he's a, he's a full contact trainer, right? I see his videos, self-defense based, you know, what if a guy, you know, slap him this way, hit him with this cross, you know, he's, he's real deal martial arts. Like he wants his stuff to be reality based and, um, he did a tournament. So if he's able to pull it off, right, then anyone can, meaning that, you know, there's no reason why you can't do that, right? You know, there's no reason why you say, oh, I'm a self-defense guy. I can't do Well, do self-defense competition, right? And I mean by that, you could have your people demonstrate movements. Um, and I've been to some of these Shi'is in the past where uh, you do a jujitsu self-defense demonstration and you pick five, competi- five, um, five different weapons or five different attacks and someone attacks you and you, de- you show your movement, right? So there's many ways to do this. And, and I love our grappling tournaments. I mean, our kids did amazing in this last grappling one. We beat a lot of the BJJ schools out. So there's a, a running challenge to anybody who's listening who has a BJJ school who wants to come and compete against my kids and, and some of my adults. We're a ninjutsu school. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's uh, we, we did really well. In fact, we won most of our events. So um, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, uh, anyway, long story short, w- what I want to – okay, go ahead. You're going to say something, and then I'll – I was going to say, like, well, yeah, real quickly, uh, let's say you've, uh, you've stated this case really well. I'm motivated. You sold me on the fact that maybe I should start doing tournaments. Where do I start? I mean, I, I think, obviously, an inter-school tournament first – yeah, I think that – well, there's a few few ways you could do this. You could do an open free tournament to get people's feet wet, right? And you could do that on a Friday night and just invite down everybody, but they have to pre-register and sign up ahead of time. And then you let them play around and have fun. Maybe you don't give out medals this first time, right? And and then the next one you do, you do a more formalized inter-school. Um, we call it a shiai in Japanese. That means like a family gathering, right? Um, a competition amongst family and friends. And uh, and you, uh, you do an event in your school. And uh, – charge for it a decent amount because we want to by by the price we we put on our event people see the value of what it is right so if we're saying it's five dollars everyone comes in or it's free people don't really see a value in that right and and rightfully so i mean no one gives restaurant food away for free no one gives away you know anything else for free so i mean you should have an event and by the way you do it as a money maker for your school because listen we're not about you know even if we're not about the money we need money to pay our bills. We need money to buy food. We need money to stay in the game. So don't ever feel guilty about charging for it. In fact, I don't think anyone expects you to do it for free. When you start playing this I'm afraid to make money game, what you do is you sell the message that you shouldn't be making money, right? So if you charge for something and you don't gouge people and rip them off and they get value and they leave with an experience – they're going to be blown away and want to do it again, 
right? So it's like our parents' night out. So we do it for three hours. We feed the kids. We monitor the kids. The parents go out to dinner or they go home and do whatever they want to do, relax, sleep, whatever. And um, we make sure we make sure those kids come back saying, "Oh my God, I loved it so much." And then the parents have been begging me. I haven't set this up. It's month four, and I haven't done a special event yet. And they're saying, "When is the next Nerf Wars or special event, Parents Night Out that you're doing?" And we're going to do one soon, right? But um, so pretty interesting, right? When you do something well, people will beg you for it, and it'll fill to you know fill up automatically. Yeah. Right? Well, so I, I say start with start with the interschool. I was going to say this because you say, you know, uh, you're talking about free uh, and nobody wants you, you know, nobody expects you to do it for free. And I, I just kept thinking about Bernie Sanders and I was going to say tuition free. You know? <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. Well, there are some socialists out there, right, so that, uh, that want it for free. But here's, you know, what's interesting. Um, so I, I don't think, and I'm not going to get political, but I want to throw out a little spin on this because it is business related, right? So. Um, most people want free college. Most people want free whatever. The reason why they believe they should have that is not because they just want to sit around and, and get everything for free. It's because they believe they're being overtaxed and overpaying in all other ways, right? Government-based, right? So they're saying, well, if the government's taking all our money on this end, why don't they give it back to us on that end? But I do believe that most people would never come to a private enterprise and say, well, I want free food or I want free cake or I want free karate, right? Um, and, and they understand that with that, the, the instructors, a qualified instructor, they're worth their weight in gold, right? So um, I, I love it. I, ha I had a, uh, uh, a parent, their kid did our Karate for Christmas special. So at mm -hmm. the beginning of the year, they did January and February. They did not sign up with us because we were too expensive. Since uh -huh. then, they've gone to two different schools. One school is, I think they told me, 60 bucks. The other one was 75 That's per month. Yeah. And um, But after trying those schools, they and the kid really, they love our school. Right. Um, but the one, the 149 is a genuine hardship for them. And we, we charge right. 149 a month. Right. So that's a genuine hardship for them. Um, and I said, well, you know, um, I understand that these schools, you know, one's charging 65, the other one's 75, whatever it is. I said, but I can guarantee that both of those schools are charging testing fees. I said, right. did you ask about testing fees? They said, no. And I said, well, I'm just here to tell you, uh, not every school tells you in advance that, you know, you have Yeah, they, they nickel and dime you on all sorts of things. <laughs> and I said, I'm not saying that they are doing that. I'm just saying more than likely that's probably the case. And then he yeah. brought up the fact that, well, I'll have to investigate that and see. And I said, well, I, I know where you're going with this. And, and I said, let me just cut to the chase. The 149 is not negotiable. Right. I said, because you're going to go see how much these uh, other people charge, and then you're going to divide it and see what the monthly cost actually would be. I, I, I said, I'm here to tell you that our price is still going to be higher. Yeah. I said, but what you are getting and what you, you know that you, you see a difference what you're getting is you're getting professional martial artists teaching your child because this is what I do for a living. This is what my head instructor, uh, Master Bean, does for a living. Yeah. I said, we make sure that we are up to date on, on, the, on the best ways possible to be able to connect and teach your child the most up-to-date martial arts moves and the most up-to-date ways of teaching and connecting with your child. Right. Both of these schools that you just told me about, 
I said, I know one of the owners, great person, but both of those schools, this is a part-time deal for them. This is a yeah, hobby yeah. for them. This is our profession. No offense. Yeah. But this, and, and I said, they could be themselves better martial artists than me. What you're looking for is you're looking for someone that can, can connect with your child and yeah. give you the needs, the benefits that you already told me that we can deliver on. I said, right. so the price is not negotiable, yeah. but we can get creative. And I bring right. that up because, you know, we did, we got creative with, 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 with some of these things. But when, and it goes back to what you're saying, don't shy away from your product if you know yeah. that what you are giving has benefits. So if you're going to charge for these tournaments, which you should, don't yeah. shy away from that. You may need to communicate right. the, the benefits better. That might be mm -hmm. your problem as right. opposed to, you know, um, lowering the price or not charging at all. Yeah. And I, I love what you said. And there's always that question I always ask when people say, oh, it's more expensive. And I say compared to what? Or, oh, this is expensive compared to what? Right. But you know what's interesting, too? Um, it's all about language. Right. And, and but it's all about figuring out the dilemma. So sometimes can't people can't see past the dilemma. Like I'll have a school owner who'll say, I'm struggling. I can't make my rent this month. I'm like, okay, ask four people for pay in fulls and you'll pay the next two or three months, right? Oh, I don't want to do that. Okay, then you don't want to be in business. You're not going to pay your rent. You're going to go out of business. You've got to think of creative ways to do things. So like I had a mom last night come to me and say, you know, my husband, he doesn't want to pay this fee anymore. And, you know, he, we're really not sure if we can afford it. I said, do you have any relatives that buy your kids birthday presents, Christmas presents? He said, oh, yeah, the kids' birthdays are coming up. And I'm like, well, ask the grandparents and all the relatives to pay for some tuition. She's like, oh, my God, I never thought of that. I said, have grandma drop four, $400 between the two of them, 200 each. Uh, and, and, you know, I just threw an example out there. And I said, that'll come right off the top. So now your tuition dropped by, you know, 30, 40 bucks a month. I said, have a few people, instead of buying them an ugly sweater or another Nintendo or another PlayStation play game or something silly, right, have them pay for something that's going to change their lives and be beneficial to them, right? So it really all depends. Like I have a kid right now. The, I tried a conversation with a mom last night, and um, she had said to me, we can't make it. We have two days a week for a little warrior class. We can only make it one. And I, she said, what's the discount? I said, there is no discount. We don't charge by the class. We charge by the membership. You pay a membership to be in our school. And if you show up once or you show up all eight times, if you want, twice a week, that's great. But we, she goes, oh, if I only come once a week, it's like $30 a class. And I said, yeah, but how beneficial is that? My fiance, Nicole, who I think she's still on the call, she hurt her knee. She's going to rehab for her knee and they're doing physical therapy. They charge like 200 bucks a session for that. So like, why would it not be worth it to a kid who needs help, who maybe has ADDs, autistic or whatever, needs confidence, and why is it not worth it? And it is, but you just have to put that in perspective for people. So, um, so I'm thinking, though, this is, this is where we as owners have to understand that our value is much more than – and we have to show that to people. Like, but no yeah. one – people who can afford Kias and, and Chevys – are, they're not going to be able to know how, how creative they get be able to afford a Ferrari, right? So even though they want it and you could tell them all these little tricks, they're not going to go after it. It's just out of their budget, right? So we have to be careful with certain people are just not going to be able to buy from us, right? But when you're having yeah. an inter-school inter tournament, I call it stacking. I don't know if I stole this idea from you. Maybe it's value stacking, right? We, we've talked about this in the past where I go, Dwayne, 
you're going to do the, the uh, tournament, it's 45 bucks and it's $10 per spectator, but you get one spectator for free, so you're getting $55 worth of value for 45 right? If I gave them a free T-shirt and I had a sponsor pay for it, now you get the T-shirt for free. I didn't pay for it. The sponsor paid for it, but I'm giving them to it for free. So I'm value stacking continuously. And then the value of what the knowledge is, the experience is, there's more value stacked on top. So they're paying $45 for something that's going to be great. Now, of course, I warn you, if it's not good, they're going to hold it against you. They're going to feel ripped off. Right, exactly. We have to bend over backwards to make sure everyone's happy. Um, we want to make them get a lesson. Even if the experience wasn't perfect, we, we have to explain why the lesson is important and uh, what they've learned and what they should be looking for and so on and so forth. So very, very important. Um, Rick, Rick I, just you know, wrote – yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You finish. And, no, go ahead. Finish. What were you uh, going to no, Okay, I was just going to say I don't know if I like the term bend over backwards because right. that, that uh, kind of presupposes that the other person uh, is winning – or right. that you are bending your rules right, to right. accommodate. So mm-hmm. you be, I think you need to be as, as you know, accommodating as possible. Right. And it, it, uh, your communication in advance to things. Right. And when things happen uh, and correcting them, of course, you can be apologetic, but I right. don't know that you should bend over backwards. And, yeah. and, I, and I wouldn't have told you that 20 years ago when we first started. I would not have said right. that. I would have said, oh, gosh, I'll bend over backwards, you know. Not right. anymore. I don't. I, yeah. I will apologize when I need to apologize. But, like, when yeah. I was on that phone with that guy, you know, I, it's, it's, the price is not negotiable. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's important, right, because you, you set a mark for your value, and that's, that's important. People have to understand that. I'm like, I don't think people value things like they used to. Like, for example, I've been doing martial arts for 51 years, right? I've trained in Japan. Uh, we all know my story. I'm not telling anyone to do this, right? I've been there 17 times. Or you could go down the road to my student who quit and opened up his own school. He's only had nine years or 12 years of training experience. You could be with that person or you could be with the teacher who taught him, right? Or you could be with a master instructor or you could be with someone who's got life experience and is older. So it really all depends on how you sell the value. And the same thing goes with tournaments, you know, um, for our open tournament. People say, like, this thing runs smooth, it runs on time, the judging is fair, uh, it's clean, the venues are awesome, and I got to eat brick oven pizza from a coal-fired custom brick oven pizza. You know, like, the, the, it just, and the medals are custom, and the trophies are beautiful. There's just so much that we do to value stack our tournaments and make them worth it. And um, this is important for people. But, I again, back to, I suggest starting small. Do a small little venue. Have you know, 35 competitors from your school compete that day and then, um, you know, charge a small fee. It's, tell them it's an introductory fee for the first thing that when you're going to do and you plan on doing this every year and then bring it up to 45, 50 bucks once a year. So if you got 75 people to do it, that's a lot of money, right, for a small little one-day event. It goes to help you pay your rent, pay for more advertising, whatever the case may be. Um, Here's real quick, Rick says, and I know we're getting short on time. Rick said, we do the same thing. It's membership, not tuition, and we are limited. So if they take advantage of it, they can come every day, take kickboxing, tai chi, yoga, um, uh, kung fu, so it becomes dirt cheap. And if they go twice a week, then it becomes a little more costly. Yeah, that's true. And then he wrote, I only have a few students that take full advantage, and and by doing so, they're role models, which is true. Yeah, I have people that could buy an unlimited membership. The ones that do, it's only like 10 bucks more a month, unlimited classes. None of them come unlimited. 
They just want the option to do it, right? So they pay extra 10 bucks for them just in case they feel like doing it one day. So it's important. But, uh, yeah, so back to the tournaments, my message is high levels of professionalism. Even if you're running a parent's night out, make sure to run a super professional. Make sure that they have an experience. Make sure that they're leaving, wanting more. It's that old 3S kind of thing that I used to call it. I think you have it, you call it different. Sweating, smiling, and striving for more, right? Like, we want them to leave and go, Mom, I don't want to leave. Like, I had kids yesterday in class. They're like, I'm tired. I want to go home. I go, that really hurts my feelings. That means I'm not doing a good job. So I said, how about right. if I make this How about if I make this more fun for you? He's like, yeah. And then I just changed it up, and he had a blast. Like, do you want to leave now? He's like, no, I want to stay. I go, well, when you go tell your mom that you loved class so much, you don't want to leave, right? That's the kind of experience we want to leave people with. And um, if we're not doing that, somehow we're missing the boat. And, um, yeah, they're going to lose out. So that's really – do you have any other thoughts or questions or things that I could finish off with or just we kind of covered it all? No, I think uh, I think we did cover it all. I, I just I want to reiterate the fact that if somebody wants help um, in that area, just even starting a minor little um, tournament in, inside of their school, they should get in contact with you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so. listen, like I did with you, and I might not do it as well as I did with you because you and I are so close. But I mean, I'll do my best to share, you know, with people. And, uh, and yeah, 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 but see, here's the thing is you do so much for free. I, I, I'm just going to tell you, if somebody wants your help with putting together a tournament, you should charge them for your time. Yeah, so. I know. I agree. And, and uh, but at the same time, though, I think what gets me and helps me is um, it, ele- it elevates the martial arts overall. It right. right. So like, right. especially if it's in my area and I help someone to run a more professional event, um, people might say, Ali, why are you doing this? You know, it's going to hurt you because if they're running more better event, a better event than you, more of them, um, it's going to take away from you. But I also know that if they run a crappy event, it also takes away from me. So like if right. they run a great event and people love it, they're most probably going to go, Hey, it's just like New York tournaments. I'm going to go to that one. But if they run a crappy event, they're going to go, I don't want to go to these things anymore. And they might not even come back to ours. So it's super yep. important that we elevate the industry in a way where we have to really worry about all all boats floating rather than one or two of them sinking, right? So you're subscribed to socialism. I got you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. That was right yeah, yeah, yeah. Never once did I say do it for free. Right? No, but that's true. Oh. All right, dude. I appreciate you, as always, and um, it was a good call, I think. And now I'm going to kind of try to finish up. I got to teach tonight, but I'm going to rest and – I can't wait till next week because I'm closed on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. My day off's on Thursday, so I have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday closed. Are you closed the whole weekend for the holiday? No. Uh, we're just oh, wait, Easter we're weekend. For Saturday and Sunday. Okay, Saturday, so we Sunday. did a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so I'm going to get a four-day weekend because I've been going nonstop seven days a week for the last three weeks. I was in Springfield the weekend before last or something like that, and just busy, yep. busy, busy, but um, I'm living life, having a good time. I'm having fun. All right, well, I appreciate your uh, expertise on this call, man. Awesome, dude. Have a great day. Everybody take care. See you soon. Bye.